1: These are the KC Tapes. You, man, and Favaz explore the backstories and interviews heard on KC, the longest-running rock station in the country.
2: Hey, welcome to the KC Tapes podcast. I'm John Eulett along with... Favaz. And you can follow me on Instagram. I'm Johnny Eulett. Oh, you're
1: doing that already?
2: Yeah. Just wow, in case I you just want to get that
1: out there? Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, got to okay. run the numbers up, man. I got to make <laughs> money on the internet. I'm, I'm half-ass retired now. I That's right. Half-ass less,
1: retired DJ.
2: Less money coming in. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm also the half-ass retired DJ on Instagram, too. Yeah. i got to do more on that. Okay, now, we have another old interview that Jack Silver did when Jack Silver was on our air staff here in the early 1980s, late 70s, early 1980s. As I explained on some of his interviews, his interviews in the past, I'll do it again for the For the continuity of this show. And there's always people that have never heard of Jack Silver. Right. So he would do a, a feature on the weekend called The Rock Report. During the week, he would get these rock stars to call the radio station to talk about whatever they had going on, a new release or something, or an upcoming concert tour, and he would casually interview them, not live on the air, and and then he would take parts of those interviews and put them in his rock report things that would air on the weekends. Yes, he would. So these interviews are not real. Sometimes they're very lackadaisical and, and uh, kind of loose, but just a casual conversation with these people, and, and this one we're going to do today is of uh, Tom Hamilton of the band Aerosmith.
1: Yeah, uh, You know, he's had cancer. Um he survived it. Uh we we've featured him before on the Casey tapes in an interview that I did uh back in the Oh, I, I would say early two thousands. I would, I would say. Mm-hmm. And uh, how, how did you get all of Jack's tapes? Did you kick his ass or what?
2: No, he left them behind. Wow. In the basement of the uh, Union Station. Wow, uh, he did. A- 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 annex building we were in. Wow. And yeah, and so I was, you know, when when Hubbard bought Emmis, and bought Casey. Uh, a lot of that stuff just transferred over to the hmm. to the uh, Hubbard storage facility, and uh, when when they realized that they didn't have room for all this stuff anymore, they they told me, "Hey, take it with you, take it home, and find out if anything's good in there to keep, and everything else throw away." I, I so was, this I, is how I found this. I
1: was hoping that you kicked his ass, and there would be a story behind that. <laughs> no. Oh, okay. No, all I right.
2: probably could back then. <laughs> no. All um, right. All right, so, all right, Tom Hamilton, 1982, 83-ish, I I think it is. Let's see what was going on in Tom Hamilton's life at that moment in time with Jack Silver. Here we go. Mm -hmm.
0: And I got the tape roll, so why don't you just give me a quick level here, and we'll see how you're looking. All
3: right, Uh, St. Louis, KSHE,
0: 314-842-2052. Okay, we got it. Okay. All right. Well, Um, that, what was that?
1: That must have been the number that he called in on. Oh. What was the you know, number again? Eight four two. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: All right. If I if I can ask you a few questions, and then then maybe we'll just get a, a, a station promo from you. Uh
3: huh.
0: All right. Um, I guess I'd just like to basically begin if you can give me kind of a a, a bird's eye view at the various changes that have taken place with with Aerosmith of recent, uh, and maybe explain how the you know how the current lineup is feeling to you. So basically, first. The changes that took place with Perry out and Whitford gone, uh-huh. and, 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 and the present lineup, and how you're feeling about that.
1: All right, so Joe so, Perry, uh, yes, that, that's when he left, uh-huh. and uh, Brad Whitford is back in the band. I I, I didn't know that he left,
2: yeah, he left uh, briefly. I think he did an album, um, uh, with Saint with Derek St. Holmes. Oh, her, he did, uh, yeah. Uh, hmm. It was called uh, Whitford St. Holmes. Oh. Very, very... Uh, very, uh, original. <laughs> very original. Very yeah. original. And we played music from it. As a matter of fact, there is a Casey Classic off that album that I have forgotten about that just now I just remember. I'll have to look for that, because uh, it might be something I want to add to the Casey Classics list. Okay.
3: All right. Well, Jimmy's um, been in the band since uh, late 1979. Uh, he just happened to be the third guy that we auditioned. And uh, he he worked out to be the perfect guy from the standpoint of um, writing with Steven and uh, his look and his style. So uh, we we lucked out on that. And then uh, within a month after that, we were on the road and did a uh, 20-city tour, and then did something that we had uh, wanted to do for a long time, which was take a break from the road and sort of reevaluate where our creativity was coming from and um, just kind of be able to have the time to withdraw and take a look at ourselves. So we took a couple of months off and we went into the uh, rehearsal hall and we started uh, coming up with the riffs for the album. And um, let's see. um, Rick came along when, uh, when we were just about finishing the album. He, um...
1: Who? Rick? Uh, well, he, he was, first of all, he was talking about Jimmy Crespo. Yeah. Who took Joe Perry's place. Right. I, I'm not sure who Rick was. Yeah, Rick. Rick. Hmm.
3: Played on um, Cheshire Cat, and he sang on uh, Lightning Strikes. Um, But basically...
1: Rick um, DuFay. He must be talking about Night in the Ruts, because that's the uh, Aerosmith record that I, I think that Joe Perry was not on.
2: Uh, Rock in a Hard Place, for sure. Night Night in the Ruts. Um, yeah, Rock in a Hard Place. Who's uh, on? Uh, uh, yeah, no, no uh, uh, Joe Perry was still on, on Night in the Ruts. R- he was. But Rock in a Hard Place was... Was that the only
1: Aerosmith record that he didn't perform on? Was he out of the band then? Yes. Okay.
2: Yeah, he was he was out of the band there. Yeah, that 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 uh that personnel was Steven Tyler, Jimmy Crespo, Tom Hamilton, Joey Kramer and Rick Dufay. Rick Dufay uh, on rhythm guitar. Rick Dufay on rhythm guitar. Mm. Yeah. Jimmy Crespo lead guitar.
3: Uh it was well, the guitar playing was 95% Jimmy's because uh he was with us from the beginning of uh this project.
0: See? Um, maybe I can I can zero in on a couple uh, couple of the members that did depart. Um, you being an original member of Aerosmith, what did the the loss of a top notch guitar player like Joe Perry mean to Aerosmith? The loss. What did that mean to you guys?
3: Well, um, it's funny, you know, looking back on it, it, it was. Uh you know i suppose it, you know i can look back, at it, back on it with sadness a little bit mm-hmm. you know in a certain in a certain way but um at the time it happened it was just something that had to happen the band knew it and joe knew it and uh <clears throat> there was um sort of four guys in the band thinking one way and one guy in the band thinking of the other way and you know we just knew that in order for the entity to stay together we would have to make the change We've seen uh Joe you know a few times since since uh you know the big split and
0: so there's really no hard feelings there
3: no uh you know I can't it wasn't exactly you know a big slap on the back and uh you know a hearty handshake goodbye when it happened mm-hmm. but uh um you know gradually uh, you know we got on friendlier terms because I think even
2: so there you go yeah so yeah so, uh. Well, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, at this point in time, keep it in mind, we've got to keep it in context, he has no idea that in the next album, after uh, yeah. Rock in a Hard Place, they would all be together again. Right. Uh, and then re- start releasing those albums in the 80s that, that went. Explosion. It's, it's fantastic for them. Yes. But at this moment in time, they're down. They're yeah. down in the ruts.
1: Yeah. You know, to borrow a phrase. A night in the ruts. But a night in the um, ruts, Yeah. Uh, but the Joe Perry Project Came out mm-hmm. And what was that song?
2: Uh, yeah uh, uh, um, Oh my god I can't think of that song yeah, But Aerosmith
1: ev- Ended up doing it something, too love
2: the, Something about the music uh, uh, Let the music do the let talking Let the music do the talking Yeah, And
1: uh, boy That was a good song Yeah it's a good song And yeah. then Aerosmith classic was, as I yeah, said yeah, yeah
2: Yeah Yeah so Start Nobody in the band Wanted to see
3: Joe do anything But you know Go out and be able to you know, do it on his own. Once, yes. once he was out there. All right. Um,
0: we we find that Aerosmith, you know, definitely a band that we all grew up with and and, and continue uh, to enjoy here in the 80s. You've been with the same label since the beginning, if I'm to understand correctly. Right. Uh, well, maybe you can speak to the importance of a record label to a band. And obviously, you've had a good relationship with uh, Columbia because you have been with them so long. So, what what is what is it that a label can do for a band that will either make them stick or make them wander?
3: Well, I think it's important for <clears throat> No, the, we don't do things the way most bands do. Th-
2: yeah, Columbia stuck with them for a long time. Yeah, but it was Geffen Records. Yes, that would would after this point. Permanent vacation on. Yes, yes, that was all Geffen Records stuff. Yeah. So they they it was that record company that re- helped rehabilitate Aerosmith. Man, mm-hmm.
3: most bands. Uh, have a very direct uh... relationship with the uh, record company while they're making an album for instance <laughs> um... we kind of our method is we just go off on our own and they wait until we've finished it and then we invite them over to hear it but um... basically the most important thing that a uh, record company can do is is promote the band when it's out when the record is done and uh... Um, that's only after they make sure that uh when they hear the record that they think it's something that they can get behind and uh if they decide they can get behind it then the important thing for them to do is to promote it as much as possible as far as displays in record stores and ads and you know all that kind of thing and you know plus the local promotion people all over the all over the world have to do their part to try to uh, get songs played on the radio.
2: I think the, the way we used to work with the record companies is whatever it cost the band to make the albums, mm-hmm. they took that out of the band's eventual profits. Mm. But as far as advertising and promoting the record, that money would come out of the record companies'
1: right pockets. And they would come so, to radio stations like Casey and yeah. say, hey, play, what do you think of this? Play this. Mm-hmm. And then we would. And then people would buy it and, you know.
2: Yeah. Whatever. So financially, there was a separation there. Uh, Once the band got the record done, and they would, a lot of bands would try to do it in a uh, economical fashion because they knew that it was really their money they were spending. Right. Then they wanted the record company to to go all out and spend their the record company's money to promote the hell out of the album. Right. And sometimes record company would say, "We don't think it's that good. If an album, we're going to hold back. We're not. We don't." Or, or or they go in full blast. Yes. So that's... that's and that has
1: happened. That, the, you know, the, they won't go full blast and they, they it's been done yes. to many, many bands yes. over time.
2: And then sometimes the artist gets lucky and the record does kind of get a life of its own. Record company realizes they made a mistake. Oh, wow. Well, let's see what what else we can get off of this. And then yeah. they might start spending money like Layla. to promote it. Yeah, yeah. Remember? Yeah. Layla, yeah. That, that's a Casey story. Yeah. For people who don't know, we should tell that story, then, since we brought it up.
1: Well, uh, Shelly Grafman, uh, you know, he, he was the one. I mean, that that well, was the second or third episode that we did. You could find wherever you, oh, okay. you know, Shelly Grafman, you can hear him tell that story.
2: Well, maybe we don't tell the story and let them go to that episode. Okay, and, John, yeah. that's a great th- it's thought. C- Cross Promotions. It's a yes. great story, a great Casey story, and it's related to Layla, one of the more iconic rock songs of all time. Go to the Shelly Grafman Casey tapes podcast, yes, and they're all up there. All our yeah, podcasts are all of them, available, all of them. right?
1: Yeah, Show over two hundred and thirty of them. Yeah, okay. Back to this one, okay. But um, generally, with us,
3: what it comes down to is um, we're the ones to promote our records. We go out on tour and we play directly to the people, and um, so I'd say, uh, as far as uh, promotion goes, it's pretty much uh, it's pretty much our job at this point. I see.
0: You mentioned.
2: Well, oh, that is another way that the band can promote yeah, they it, tour. themselves tour. Yeah. yeah. And then that co- that costs money, too. Yes, yeah. it does. Yeah.
0: Touring, and Aerosmith is, is you know, uh, famous for hitting the road and really, you know, taking it to the people. And you've toured with, you know, through the years, uh, probably every big name that there is, and, and then some. Who do you like to tour with? Who are the guys that you can't, kind of, you know, the Aerosmith boys really get along with? And then maybe on the other hand, who are the real. Well dicks that you know sometimes, huh. <laughs> sometimes did he say that yeah,
2: yeah he wow
1: said that. jack yeah. way to go
2: like i said the interview wasn't on the air so he could uh <laughs> he had nice
1: yeah, tom hamilton laugh too yeah
2: <laughs> to
0: to get back in the
2: bus because you nobody know. ever wants nobody ever wants to tell you who the dicks are though that's <laughs> right that's we'll the see thing. if he you does know, they always ask that question they uh, they always hem and haw on that one once in a great while you get lucky and somebody does say we'll something we'll see, see if he does
0: you're gonna see him in the next city
3: well um uh, we're having a lot of fun touring with travers um, Pat
2: Travers. Really- yeah, Pat Travers, who, by the way, we have. is going to be one of our next uh, podcasts. Soon-, soon to be one of our next yeah. podcasts. Mm-hmm. Good,
3: you know, the two bands together. And um, I think one of the uh, more fun bands that we ever toured with was when ACDC was opening up for us. Well, I- Every-
2: everybody has fun ACDC stories to tell. That, that, that's one thing you hear over and over. What's that? Everybody's got fun ACDC stories to tell. Yes. Who dance at yes, tour because Bon Scott. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. This was you know a few years back. This was about four or five years ago, of course, because yeah. they're they're huge now. Um, they were a lot of fun, and we just we just dug them. We we dug the fact that they were into total energy output, and we just got the, such a huge kick out of them that that we sort of took them under our wing and made sure that they always got treated right at gigs and all that kind of Let's stuff. See.
0: And who are the guys that, you know, you could do without?
1: Oh, here we go. Here we go. Come he on, won't Tom. say it. Come on, Tom. Come on. Come I, I wish us. you would, but.
0: Yeah. Oh, well, let's see now. <laughs> Unless the list is too long. <laughs> uh-huh.
2: I, I've heard some stories about Aerosmith uh, in the past. I can't remember them right now, but I know that they've been involved in run-ins with other bands. Really? Because, you know, Steven Tyler, uh, you know, he's... Pretty proud guy. Yeah, he doesn't want to. And get, he runs that show. Doesn't want to get out rocked on a stage by an opening band or whatever. And right. he does run that show. So let's.
3: Well, you know, I don't want to put anybody down. I mean, there's been a couple of bands that that Boo-hoo. we used to open for back in the beginning that were, you know, less than encouraging. <laughs>
2: uh, <laughs> so it was the other way around. They were opening. Less for than that.
1: encouraging. Yeah. Okay. BTO
3: was never one of our favorite bands oh. to with. I don't even know
1: if anybody remembers that Bach- oh, Bachman Turnover Drive. Doesn't nobody he, 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 well, he has no idea of uh, the station that he's talking to.
2: Well, this is 1982, though. I mean, BTO is still pretty damn big. Mm. I mean, they're still playing, getting a lot of airplay. Uh, turnover Drive.
0: Yeah.
3: They they were they were kind of uh, standoffish.
0: Huh. Okay, I, I won't put you on the spot. That's okay. Uh, and really, it's funny. Well, to... we got an answer
2: on him. That was
3: good, yeah. Jack. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because I'll jump off it. <laughs> it's funny because uh, BTO is still big here in St. Louis, obviously, because we're about five five years in the past. Um...
2: <laughs> <laughs> Jack just slammed St. Louis. <laughs> he said we're five years in the past. BTO's <laughs> big here because we're five years in the past. Wow. Yeah. Jack's from Chicago, by the way, so oh. he was not a native St. Louisan. Oh.
0: Okay, I have a question that maybe you can answer, and I hope it'll be interesting to our listeners. One of, the, one of the favorite Aerosmith songs over the years has been Train Kept a Rolling. Yeah. And it was, you know, it's a song that begins in the studio.
2: From that era, uh, Sweet Emotion, he
1: wrote Sweet Emotion, Tom Hamilton. Right, the bass the line. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm.
0: Then segues to the live uh, uh, setting. Who, whose idea was that, and how, how did that ever come about?
3: Well, first of all, are you ready for this? Yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Ready
2: for this, listeners? Here we go. Tom right. Hamilton with some good scoop.
1: All right. All
2: right.
3: No. What?
2: Wait a minute. i got to roll that <laughs> back. We <laughs> missed it. Hold on.
3: First of all, are you ready for this?
0: Yeah. We faked it. No. They faked it? We didn't really do it live in front of an audience.
3: What? What? The, the live part is live, but it was recorded in the studio. Mm-hmm. And when I say live, I mean we didn't go over, go in and do overdubs and stuff like that, like you usually do on a studio cut. <laughs> we just went in and we and we um, we banged it out. And uh, it was our producer's idea to go ahead and put a you know an applause track in there because we figured you know we we really did go in there and, and play play live, so we wanted to you know keep the live ambience happening.
1: So they played it live in the studio,
2: but not in front of an audience. Right,
1: and if you remember the recording of that, the crowd comes up at the end. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, during the break. Yeah. And, you know.
2: So now, when you listen to that, you can you you could be able to probably hear the the false, right, quick increase in volume and then and then out. Because right. it's hard to really fake a good live crowd noise. I mean, you got sure is yeah yeah.
0: Let's see. So
3: there's uh, your gigantic Aerosmith revelation from 1982.
0: Oh, my dreams, or my <laughs> my illusions have been shattered.
3: Now, meanwhile, it's 1983. Yeah. I'm saying
0: 1982. Well, it's, <laughs> well, we'll edit that out.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, okay, let, let, well, since we are talking about 1983, let's talk about it. Aerosmith um, comes to rock and roll radio with a, with what we see as really a, a definitive Aerosmith album, and we, we, we've kind of missed it for a while. What are the feelings of you, Tommy?
2: What he's saying there is, we listened to it and we didn't like it at first, <laughs> and so we we just decided not we weren't going to play much off of it. Like for instance, the uh, the track listing, the songs: Jailbait, Lightning Strikes, Bitches Brew, Bolivian, Rag Muffin, Crimea River prelude to Joni, Joni's Butterfly, Rockin' a Hard Place, Cheshire Cat. I think that's the only song we've played for just a short period of time. I don't know. Jig is up and push comes to shove, so there was not much on that album that got popular.
0: Yeah. for you know, been with the band for years. How does this Rockin' a Hard Place feel to you, and are you folks happy with the success that you are enjoying with the record?
3: Um, well, right, as far as the success we're having with the record, it's kind of something that you can't we're We're thinking of success with this album in terms of the recognition it's getting as opposed to you know album sales
1: mm-hmm.
2: because we so we're not expecting much in terms of sales, yes, yeah it's getting Tom a...
1: said that himself yes,
2: he did they're it's getting attention because of who's not on it right and that's Joe Perry and yes. by the way, Tom Hamilton gets no writing credits on that album. Mm. Oh, I actually yeah, I got a half of one on Crimea River I'm sorry right.
3: we're very happy about how it came out, especially because. I th- and I think you just said it uh, you, I think you just said it was a definitive Aerosmith album yes Okay. now that's really gratifying because we've got two new guitar players hmm. and, it, and when people come to us and say hey man that's Aerosmith that sounds like you know Aerosmith and it lets us know that we did the right thing that we picked the right guys and that uh, committing ourselves to toughing it out and staying together was really worth it after all
0: well, yeah, I you know I'm not just passing a bunch of bull down the line here because really it I when I when I first got the record as music director I was hoping gosh darn I hope this is you know the Aerosmith we can count on. and when we dropped the needle it really has been and we've we've been playing about three tracks Lightning Strikes is probably the leader uh-huh. and uh, for some reason I think Joni's Butterfly is just ter- terrific. Is
3: that right? Yeah,
0: I love it. I, we played that out of the box and then then we kind of got the idea that well Lightning Strikes was was pushing a little harder nationally and we went with that. Um, so we, we really have been enjoying the record a lot. And maybe, since I do have you on the phone, is yeah. Joni's Butterfly dirty? Is that, is, that, <laughs> is that supposed to be something dirty?
3: No, I think you know, all of our songs sound dirty. <laughs> but, uh, That's because uh, you got uh, Steven Tyler singing them and writing them. Oh, no, that was just sort of... Um, well, I don't want to try too much to explain Steven's lyrics, okay. but... Uh, I think to your point... He got a couple of the ideas from that, sort of from a dream he had. I see
2: about a about a uh, unicorn. Hmm. <laughs> about a unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen Tyler dreams of unicorns, oh. unicorns and candies and, yes. and uh, puppy dogs puppy and puppy and pink flowers. I'm sure that's all he's thinking about. Yes. You know,
3: that's that's as far as I can really speak for him.
0: Okay, and um, let's see. I, I was going to ask a question. Jesus, um, it's been a long day. Um, Oh, yeah, okay, this is a question. (laughs) It's been a long day. Yes, it
2: has. (laughs) Yes, Jack, wrap this up, buddy.
0: I do like to ask, especially bands that have the the, the career span that you have, when you are in a city, well, say you're in St. Louis and you're listening to Casey and Sweet Emotion or Dream On comes on the radio, does that still give you guys a little bit of a charge to hear those choice tracks from the years gone by or are you guys saying well i wish they'd play some of that new stuff or how do you feel about that because really the truth of the matter is dream on and the like is still just as as hot and well accepted and well perceived in the listener's mind as it's ever been
2: and the same goes for 2023
1: yeah, yeah. for sure
3: well i would say that uh i don't know i say it's 50 50 i really get a when I hear an Aerosmith song on the radio, it really gets me off. Okay. I have to say that is one of the most rewarding things is to hear your music being broadcast to, you know, potentially hundreds of thousands of people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, sometimes if you've been hearing a lot of old stuff, it just, I mean, sometimes if it just happens that you've been hearing a lot of the old stuff, then you do say, well, why don't they play some of the new stuff? But in general... Uh, when I hear any Aerosmith on, on the radio, it gets me off. Okay.
0: Mm. And um, I guess I guess as a final note, as it relates to, to this current tour, um, what should we expect, all of us who have the tickets for the Aerosmith show, what are we going to expect at the concert? Is it going to be, uh, well, what is an Aerosmith gig like now in 1983? What should we look for?
3: Okay, the band has is, is evolved to the point where not only uh, do we put out energy, but... It comes out with about 10 times as much finesse as we ever played before, meaning uh, the sound. The sound is clearer. You can hear the instruments better. We play with more dynamics. We have uh, three vocalists.
2: This is the the first album produced by Jack Douglas, too. So he was instrumental in changing that band.
1: Uh, I would correct you there. Oh, really? Yeah, Jack Douglas uh, did uh, oh, prior. Toys in the Attic and, oh, oh, and all yes, that. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. He did do some of those older, yes. older albums.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's back. Yes. Yeah. As opposed to one. So we've got Harmonies, and uh, it's just uh, a real tight, high-energy show. Um, I forgot to mention we've got a guy with us on the road named Bob Mayo playing keyboards Bob Mayo he, play with, uh, he played with
1: Peter Frampton oh did he really yes I I know that I'll be darn
3: yep Peter Frampton and uh oh, yeah there you, there you go, go. Been mm-hmm. touring with uh, Foreigner
0: so keyboards is something that we haven't heard with within an Aerosmith sound right is that well
3: we've done a little bit with keyboards but uh we've, we've got we're using them a little bit more now we're using uh synthesizer hmm. and uh you know it just adds so much more to the sound i think uh people that have heard us before will be pretty amazed at
2: uh how the- a lot of bands at this point in time were starting to go in that direction too yeah. bands who had never used synthesizer before rush it was in the instance. 80s hello yeah yeah mm-hmm.
3: yeah and sounds because it's definitely aerosmith um but you know it's the updated version right
0: kick ass all right well first of all kick ass no, we are, kick, yes, kick ass
2: Oh, here we go. These yeah. are the little promos, little drop-ins for the yeah. radio station. All right, wait a minute. I
3: wrote something backwards here. <laughs> okay. They always do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Okay. Hi, this is Tom Hamilton from Aerosmith, and you're on KC95. We'll be at the Checker Dome this Thursday night. Be there.
0: Perfect. Checker Dome. Wow. Yeah. 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 Now let's get one that says tomorrow night.
2: We used to have to do that on everything, on all our commercials and everything. Wow. Like if an event happened on Sunday, we'd have to say, if, say, the promotion started two weeks ago, Sunday, nov- uh, November 25th, then the next week, this Sunday, November 25th, really? then this, uh, tomorrow's, tom- September tom- 25th, wow. later today, you know, we'd have to do those updates all the time, mm-hmm. and, and it was a pain in the ass. Wow. Now, with this type, 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 type technology, uh, you know, the, uh, the computers. Yep. So you can edit those things in so quickly and yep. easy, it's ridiculous. But back then, it was a lot of extra work.
0: It was like a pain in the ass.
3: Tom Hamilton from Aerosmith. You're on KC95, and we want to see everybody tomorrow night out at the Checker Dome.
0: Okay, and the final one, you know, you're real excited because tonight's the night.
3: There it is. <laughs> this is Tom Hamilton from Aerosmith on KC95, and we want to see everybody in St. Louis at the Checkerdome Dome Tonight. Okay, beautiful. Yes, sir. There we go.
2: There we go. Tom Hamilton back in 1983. I love these old interviews. Yeah, me too. I do too. It's fun to put them in perspective too and think, you know, wow, little did they know something else was going to happen after that. Because after this
1: interview, Aerosmith becomes huge again. Yeah, eight bound in 87, 88. Yeah. You know, is when the uh, permanent vacation came out. And so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think there
2: was another album after this one and then permanent vacation. And that one after this one didn't do very well either. But the band was all back together again. Hmm. And then permanent vacation came out and changed everything. All right, there you go. That's the podcast for today. I'm John Euled. You can follow me on Instagram. I'm Johnny Euled. And uh, also the half assed retired DJ.
1: And Casey Guy is my handle. AMF. Bye. Bye. The KC tapes with you, man, and Favaz. For more on the history of KC, go to KC95.com or the KC mobile app.